Katie Brinkley has 19 plus years of experience teaching entrepreneurs how to use social media by posting less and focusing on brand building and audience engagement. This episode, you will learn how to tailor your messaging to the right platforms and audiences, the importance of identifying where your target demographics spend their time online, how to build and maintain relevance by meeting customers where they are, how to evolve with changing trends in content and digital media, and you'll also learn how to use AI when making social media content. I played collegiate softball and I want—I didn't think that I would play in college. My dad always wanted me to and I, I wasn't good enough to go to a division one college, but for softball, I was smart enough and I, you know, I could have paid to go to a division one school, but I wasn't good enough to go and play softball. So I actually went to a division two school here in Colorado and it ended up being the best decision I could have made for me. I only played softball in college for two years, but because it was a smaller school, I was given so many opportunities to, I worked at the college radio station. I, you know, got to know a lot of my professors really well. Some of them I'm still Facebook friends with. I was able to get a scholarship, you know, giving tours of the school. I was able to do so many things because I went to that smaller school. And at the time, like I said, I am a huge University of Michigan fan, uh, and I always thought I'd go to Michigan, but I wasn't good enough at softball to play D1. And so going to Fort Lewis in Durango was the best thing that I could have done for myself, my education, and my career. I, I graduated in three and a half years and got to get out there and start living living the dream earlier. And I, I definitely give my choice in colleges uh, the reason behind that. Mm. And what made you kind of become such an active student in the university? Because a lot of people, when they go to, to college or university, their main goal is to get as drunk as possible <laughs> and, you know, live that kind of lifestyle. But for you, you kind of were like, I'm going to get involved in this. I'm still going to do softball for a bit and, you know, that kind of thing. What, what kind of made you want to be that type of student? Well, the fact that I was playing softball, you, you can't do drugs. I mean, you can't do, you know, there's drug testing there. You can't go out and party every single night. I mean, during the off season, we definitely had a lot of fun, but during the season, you can't go out and party every night because you're playing softball for four hours a day, every day you're traveling with your team. And I wasn't able to really get into the party scene that much. And one of the things for, for school is I, I say it like this, is I never really liked school, and so I wanted to be done with it. And so I took max credit hours. I took as many classes as I possibly could so that I could graduate early. I looked at classes that I could, quote unquote, double dip with and have it count towards this, you know, this prerequisite and that prerequisite because I wanted to just be done with school. <laughs> and now, again, it saved me, you know, half a, a half a year of college tuition, but I wanted just to, to be done with school, get my life started. I wanted to work in radio and the sooner I could be done with school and just do it, live in the dream. That's, that was my biggest goal. Mm -hmm. And why do you think you were kind of in this state of not enjoying school? Was it just because 
you went to college because you felt like it was the right thing or is it you got there and then realized, oh gosh, I want to be out of this. I want to get to the real main event of adulthood, which is, you know, <laughs> working. And it was, sounds weird, but I always wanted to work. Even when I was younger, I started babysitting when I was 12. I started my first business when I was 15 and it was uh, for window screens. I had my own window screening business. And then, you know, I got a job at a coffee shop. I worked, I, I set my high school schedule so I was done with school at noon and I could go work at the coffee shop until four before softball practice start started so I could still be making money. So I always had the desire to work, which now now that I'm, you know, 40, I <laughs> I don't know what the big rush was, but I always wanted to have my own money to spend. I wanted to be able to buy my car. I wanted to be able to go out and do fun things. And I've always wanted to have that entertainment budget. And being in school, you know, I was learning a lot of important things, but the biggest goal for me was to get out so I could start my job and start making money. Yeah. I mean, money is one of the most <laughs> important things in life. You know, people try to say, oh, it's happiness. It's this, it's that, but you need money to survive. Let's be honest. Yeah. To have a, a certain quality of life, you need to be able to make money. So coming out of college, what were the first kind of jobs you were looking at? And also I forgot to ask, what were you even studying? Yeah. So, you know, what was shaping your career path at, at college and what did you come out and do? I was a journalism major uh, and I wanted to be a sports journalist. And I landed that job right out of college. I was the post-game reporter for the Denver Broncos, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Nuggets, obviously here in Colorado at uh, a radio station called 850 KOA. Loved it. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I landed my dream job essentially right out of college. But this was a while ago. And there is this thing that came out after my second year of working at the radio station called Sirius XM. And we, everyone in the radio industry panicked and said, oh my gosh, this is the end of radio. Who's going to want to listen to radio with commercials? Everyone's going to be paying for this satellite radio. And so a lot of people got out of radio. They moved into sales. They worked in television. They worked in they moved to marketing. And that's what I did is I moved into marketing because I was like, well, this is the end of radio. I don't have any TV experience. I'm not, you know, I don't want to be a newspaper reporter. What if I go into marketing? And that's what led me in, you know, out of my quote unquote dream job and into the world of marketing. Yeah, I, I tend to find a lot of intelligent people are obsessed with marketing because there's an element of psychology in it, but you also get that kind of creative element, which is the writing side of it or the, you know, the copy based side of it. So I, I'm assuming from journalism into marketing, you had that transferable skill of being able to write in a way that's engaging and informative. Definitely. I think that with my background in journalism, my the marketing position I moved into is I was the marketing manager for the Colorado Rockies TV station. It was still in sports. It was still writing. You know, I was writing TV scripts. I was writing social media posts, doing billboard buys and, you know, overseeing the ad, the creatives. And it was all still being really creative, using journalism. And then I still had my foot in the, the door for the sports world, which was my true passion of getting to be around sports all the time. I, like I said, I, I grew up playing softball and soccer and 
I loved sports. I still love sports. I've got season tickets for the Avalanche. You know, I mean, I love sports. And if I couldn't be announcing them, having the opportunity to still work, you know, marketing these teams was phenomenal. So I, I kind of like to say I, I, those were, I had my first dream job and then I kind of stumbled into my second dream job. Yeah. And, and give me an idea of the, the kind of landscape we're operating in. Is this when Facebook was big? Is this when Twitter was out? You know, what's the kind of social medias we're working with at this time? Because I've, I've had people on that worked in marketing and advertising back in the 70s and 80s. And they're like, oh, man, you just buy a slot on TV or an ad in a magazine and you're good to go. But I'm, I'm guessing here because you said social media that, you know, there was a, a big social media of the time or, you know, emerging technologies coming out at that time as well. Well, like I said earlier, I'm I'm getting up there in age, and I'm a proud geriatric millennial. So this is people that are born between... That's a new title. <laughs> it's an official title. I wish I was smart enough to think this up, but I don't know if I would have thought of geriatric. But essentially, people were born between 1978 and 1984 um, are titled this because we grew up alongside the internet. Like I grew up playing Oregon Trail. I grew up in a world where we didn't have smartphones telling us what we were doing and help, you know, we weren't having to worry about online bullying and like meeting boyfriends or girlfriends online. We grew up with all of this technology. I still remember Napster and not having, you know, having to pay for for our our music that we wanted to download and and all that. So I think that I'm a proud geriatric millennial, and I appreciated when these social media platforms came out on how I could use them as a tool. So when I was in college, I worked at the college radio station, and one of the duties at the school was to get bands to send us their music for free because we're a college radio station. And so we were writing all these handwritten letters, handwritten notes with like a manila envelope, sending them off and hoping people would send us their music back. And I was, at the time, I was like, well, this seems like a giant time suck. There's this new social media platform named MySpace out, which is for musicians. What if I just start researching bands that I like that maybe are on the up and coming that just want to get their music out there and played on more radio stations. So I started reaching out to a lot of these bands on MySpace and getting all this music sent to the radio station. And I, the station manager said to me, said, Katie, how are you getting all of this, this punk music, which is the music I was into at the time, how are you getting all this punk music sent into the station? And you know, I was getting t-shirts and I was doing interviews and I was like, oh, just MySpace. And I quickly saw like how an incredible tool social media can be when you go in with intention. I mean, I was asking them for their music, but I, was, I wasn't just taking their music and then being like, thanks, see ya. I was bringing them onto the radio. I was asking them, hey, are you going to be in Denver? I'd love to, to meet you. I, you know, let me know if there's any, any connections I can make with any other radio stations. And so with MySpace was the very first introduction I had into social media. Like I said, I went to a smaller school Facebook or the Facebook, as it was called at the time, didn't even didn't even acknowledge, <laughs> it, you know, my school. I wasn't. We weren't cool enough to be on the Facebook, so I was all in on MySpace. And then when Facebook opened up to the the public, that's when I got my first Facebook account, and I tried to see how's the best way to 
connect on this? How, how am I going to use this? Why should I use this as opposed to MySpace? And then this thing Twitter came out and then Instagram. And there was all these different social media tools coming. So, but I was old enough to kind of go in cautiously or with intention as these platforms came out. And I've just always been really drawn to how we can connect on these platforms the way that the platform wants us to connect. You know, MySpace, like I said before, was music. Facebook was people to people. Twitter was sharing what are you doing right now, the now. You know, Instagram was sharing the pictures. And they all had a different purpose. So I've, that's how I started navigating all of these. And my passion for social media really, really began. Mm-hmm. So really a, a veteran of social media there, because the fact you mentioned MySpace, it means that, you know, much like me, you've been around for a while and you've been using these things, you know, to the, to the fullest of their ability. And you went through, you know, this one's for music, this one's for person to person, this one's for the right now, and this one's for pictures. And so I, I'm wondering as well, when you were working at all these sports teams or working at a sports team, you know, later on in your career, what kind of changed in you to make you think, I'm not really feeling working here, even though I'm in my dream <laughs> job per se or I'm working in my dream field what was it that made you take that kind of entrepreneurial leap to go you know what done with this gonna do my own thing I was laid off <sighs> yeah I mean I what I'd probably would still be working there but my bit my company was acquired by another company and they said well why do we have all these marketing managers for all these TV stations all over the country. Let's just move all of them to Atlanta. And I was like, how am I going to do marketing like Twitter Tuesdays where we have live Twitter guests and stuff from Atlanta when the station I support is here in Denver? I'm not going to do that. I'm not moving to Atlanta. You can keep your job and I'll I'll find a new one. Well, after I, you know, said, see ya, um, I will take the, <laughs> the severance pay and I'll do my own thing. Uh, I found out I was pregnant. And then I was like, uh-oh, who's going to want to hire me? And then how, you know, you say like, okay, well, thanks for hiring me. I'm going to be out on maternity leave. So my husband and I sat down and I said, well, what if I, what if I try and just do my own thing? He's like, what would you do? And I said, well, I was talking with Jen, who was my man, my, my boss. Um, and she said to me, she said, well, Katie, you're so good at social media. I'd love to see you find a way that you could get back into to doing just social media where that's all you do because you're so you know the how to do the ads the way you think outside the box you're really good at it so what do you think if i just tried to do social media in the interim until i could find another job after the baby is born and he said all right well let's let's just see what you can do and that was seven years ago uh, now i have a, you know there's a team of eight of us and we do social media, emails, you know, all of the online digital marketing. And I, it really wouldn't have happened if I would have been, if I wouldn't have been laid off. And if I didn't have an amazing boss, I, Jen was an incredible boss. And she, just by having her believe in me and say like, you should do this. I don't know if I ever even would have thought about it. I probably would have stayed in the corporate world and just tried to maybe get back into sports somehow, some way, but I probably would have just stayed in marketing um, and not been in sports at all. So I think that sometimes, you know, if you're in a situation where it feels like it's the absolute worst thing that could happen, you might look back 
you know, a few years or a few months, a few days even down the road and be like, that was the best thing that could have happened for me. Yeah. And someone giving you that kind of no pressure, no kind of, hey, this is what you should do type things like, hey, I really like this thing that you do. You're really good at it. Have you thought about X, Y, Z? You taking that action is a is a big step as well. I feel like a lot of people get these kinds of advice or these bits of advice and they go, oh, okay, yeah, thanks. I'm still gonna look for another job though. Yeah. But you have that consciousness to think, about to have a baby. <laughs> okay, I've got a little bit of money here that I can kind of live off or start something to keep me going. I think I'm gonna go with that option. You know, thanks, Jen. Yeah. I I'm wondering for you, have you had any other kind of moments or people that have popped up in your life that have kind of shaped your entrepreneurial journey? Because in the start, you're you're you know you're not an entrepreneur you're just somebody who's like right okay i guess i'm going to do this thing how did you kind of get your entrepreneurial brain or skills together yeah it you know looking back it was if it wasn't for people giving me the gift of their time i would never have a a, a business it was people that were one two ten steps ahead of me that said, sure, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you. And, oh, you need to make sure you do this. Or, oh, you need to make sure you do that. Um, and I think that that was one of the biggest things is just having the people that were willing to give me the gift of their time. And honestly, that's how it, my, my podcast started was just I wanted to kind of give back and talk with other people about what their entrepreneur mistakes were or what they would do differently so that any of my listeners that were just starting their business could learn from them and the way that I had learned from them or from other people. And that some of my first guests were people that, again, sat down with me in a coffee shop and just had a cup of coffee with me and gave me the gift of their time. Yeah, I mean, that, that's such an important thing. And I was actually gonna ask you, you know, what was it like getting your first few clients? Because there's a lot of people out there now who wanna be social media strategists or social media marketers, and they have no idea where to look for their first clients or yeah. you know how to even have that kind of conversation because it's a really kind of nerve wracking thing to do. Yeah, and I mean, like when I first started, I didn't know where to find the clients either. I went on uh, Thumbtack, I went on Fiverr, I did Upwork, and that just to get the the testimonials and get the money coming in and I one of my very first clients found me on Upwork and she's still a client to this day. We've been together for almost seven years now and it's it's crazy, but she found me on Upwork back when I first started and you have to do whatever you can just to try and kind of get your your feet wet. And it taught me so much on good good clients, bad clients, what type of people I liked to work with, what type of people I didn't like to work with. And it uh, it made a huge it made a huge difference for me uh, by by just getting my feet wet using those those kind of safe platforms where you can go in and you have people that, you know, you know you're going to get paid because that was another thing. You know, how do I it's the worst thing ever having to chase money. So this is that's one thing that I made sure that in all my contracts I'm never going to have to chase money. Mm. And and how do we go about making sure that we're not chasing money? Like how do we find those people that are going to pay either upfront or on time, you know, what what are the kind of qualities we're looking for in a person and how do we ensure that's a, you know, that's what? a mainstay in all the clients that we we get on board? I think that there's there's something to be said about when you're 
finding like when you're talking to people, a sale is not, not all sales are necessarily good sales. You know, the knowing who your ideal client is and expressing like, okay, so this is how we operate. This is what to expect. This is what we do. That makes, you know, and if they're on board with it, that makes it so much easier to do business. And neither one of you are surprised. I, uh, I do think that there is something to be said about like trusting your gut. If something's not feeling right, it's probably not. And it's probably going to be a terrible client. And it's just end up going to end up being a headache to, to work with them. So I think that look at what you're doing. Look at who you're working with uh, before you even sign the contract. Look at who you're talking to and see if it feels right and see if it feels like it's a good fit. Mm, okay. I mean, so we've spoken to those people that want to be social media marketers or work in social media, but let's let's go to the other side of the table and be the business owner or the person that could potentially be a client. A lot of people have a lot of misconceptions around social media. They have a lot of kind of thoughts around social media that might not be true. And as someone who knows social media inside and out, I wonder if you can kind of dispel some of those myths, such as, you know, oh, TikTok's the best social media. You should only use TikTok. Or, oh, Twitter's dead, don't use Twitter, Google ads are finished, you know, all those kind of things. You would know these misconceptions much better than me, but those are some of the ones that are bopping around at the moment, really. Yeah, and I think that the biggest thing I can say as a business owner is uh, you don't need to be on every social media platform out there. They all exist for different reasons. They all have different audiences. They all have different ways of showing up and creating content. And you have to keep in mind that not everybody consumes content the same way. Yours truly, I'm not on TikTok because I don't watch short form video. Uh, and if I do, I'll just watch it on Facebook because that's the platform that I spend the most time on because I can read a lot of the content that's on there. I have two little girls. Most of the time when I'm on social media, I have the sound off. So those trending videos and stuff on TikTok they don't really have the same kind of punch <laughs> that they do if you don't have sound on. So I think that you have to keep in mind, everyone's consuming content differently. As you go all in on these platforms, who is your target audience? How old are they? How do they consume content? How do you want to create content? If you don't want to be on video, sorry, hate to break it to you. You can't be on TikTok. You have to be on video in some regard in order to be on the platform. If you don't want to be writing any long form content, you don't want to be, uh, if you're not looking for those business to business type of connections, LinkedIn isn't for you. If you don't want to post four to 10 times a day, you shouldn't be on X or, or Twitter. All of these have different ways of creating the content. All of them have different audiences. And you actually do need to be on them creating the content in some regard. So Go all in on one or two platforms. And then from there, you can add more social media platforms in. Like I said, I've had my agency now for two for seven years. Up until 2023, I was posting on two platforms, Facebook, uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. It wasn't until this year that I started posting on Facebook for my business because I didn't have the capacity and I wasn't able to produce the type of content on all those different platforms. Yes, there's social media schedulers out there so that you can just click a button and it goes off to the masses. But again, if you're just producing something for the masses, then you're really just talking to nobody. 
go all in on a couple platforms, know who you're talking to, create the different type of content that they can consume. And you're going to build a community and an audience that follows your brand and wants to be a part of what you're producing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of feeding into that idea that you have around posting and ghosting, which is a big no-no. So I wonder if you can talk me through the process of, you know, what posting and ghosting is and also how to kind of not do that and why we shouldn't do that. Yeah, like I said before, you do need to be on these platforms. You know, that there's social media schedulers. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about tools like Loomly or Hootsuite or Buffer or CoSchedule. And these schedulers are great because then you can batch your content and push it out there to make sure that stuff is getting posted to social media. But there's something to be said about when somebody leaves you a comment and you never answer them. Because somebody was inspired enough by the picture you posted, the graphic you shared, the article you wrote, that they decided to get both thumbs going on their little keyboard here and respond to what you said. They wanted to give you their two cents, whether it was, oh, I love this, or I actually don't agree. Whatever it is, they felt inspired enough by what you shared to take some of their time, which let's be real, time is extremely valuable and precious. You should be in there responding to them. Answer them when they comment on your posts. And I I share this story, but don't. Don't do what I did. But March of 2023 was really hard. I was kind of going through uh, a social media burnout. I was, which when you have a social media agency, it's really hard to go through that. But I was burnt out. I couldn't bring myself to create any more content. And yes, I know all I, I have a bunch of pictures I could share, but I didn't want to. I didn't feel like sharing anything that I thought or cared about or any tips that I had. I just didn't feel like it. I really relate to you about the whole burnout thing. I've actually been using something to overcome burnout, fatigue, and really improve my focus. It's called Magic Mind. And it's like a kind of power shot that you take one a day and it's got like matcha in it, turmeric, rhodolabrazia, ashwagandha, a whole bunch of things that kind of help you with your focus. I've actually got a code for that, actually. It's uh, stringcast20. So if you go to magicmind.com, then use the code stringcast20, then you'll get a 20% discount. But um, yeah, something I'm kind of curious about is, you know, that period in March. Talk to me more about it. What was it like? March was still one of the best months for the business because we were going in every day for 10 minutes and engaging with our target audience. We were commenting on our target audience's posts. We were liking our followers' posts. We were posts that I had done months ago, you know, but someone might have stumbled across. I was still responding to them. And it wasn't a ton of time. It wasn't a ton of effort. But for me just to go in, I mean, how often do we just waiting for a coffee Do we open up our phone just to see what's happening on Facebook? Instead of just scrolling, what if you were to use that time, that five minutes while you wait for your coffee to come up for new business? Just by, okay, well, I have five minutes here. I'm just going to go ahead and engage with this hashtag, all all the posts in this hashtag. Even if nobody 
responds to you, nobody follows you, nobody signs up for your offer, you've kind of paid it forward. And hopefully, I can't tell you how many times people have, I've commented on someone's post, they come over to my account, and they're like, oh, I'm going to follow her, or they've commented on one of my posts. It's just such an easy thing to do. And that's the secret. That's what will move the needle for your business, because they're not just hoping on algorithms to put you out there in front of your target audience. You're going in, giving your two cents, helping them in with the algorithm, and you know it's your target audience. So use your time on social media wisely. And it doesn't need to be all just for creating content. It can be for doing the outbound engagement and, and responding to people who are commenting on your posts. Yeah. And so is, is engagement the way that we turn like our social media followers into kind of clients and customers or, you know, build community, like you were saying earlier, is, is that the best way to do it? I 100% think so. Knowing, knowing who it is that you're talking to, like I said earlier, if you're only on, if you're on two social media platforms and you know that your ideal, cl- so for example, on Instagram, 82% of my followers are females between the ages of 35 and 44. I can post pink. I can share in my stories a picture of what it's like being a, a mompreneur or being a female business owner because I know I'm talking to a, a lot of people who are like me. I know that I can share pictures of my kids or what, you know, anything like that. But on LinkedIn, 60% of my audience are male CEOs. So they actually still work in the corporate world. I know that on LinkedIn, I can shift up my messaging just a little bit more for promoting my consulting services, promoting using our agency to do a social audit for your business. Where on Instagram, I might be promoting more of my uh, course or uh, to work to sign up with us for uh, like my content planner, anything like that, because it's a different audience. Know who it is that you're talking to. And then you have the opportunity to make fewer posts. You can engage ex- ex- uh, just with the people that you, you know, with your target audience. You're not having to just be like, I hope this person sees it. I can go in and do hashtag mompreneur life and just go and engage with those posts. Or I can do hashtag Denver realtor or hashtag women who sell real estate and engage with their posts. So knowing exactly who it is that you're talking to makes doing the outbound engagement so much easier. Yeah. And we've been like really kind of deep into the, the kind of theory side of it, of selecting the right person, how to engage with them. But we haven't actually spoken about kind of social media posts and how to craft them. You touched on it briefly there about, I can use pink, I can post about being a mum, but what are the kind of tools we can use to decide what type of content we're gonna post and where? Obviously we've covered, you know, TikTok is video based, Instagram's a bit of a mixed media and LinkedIn seems to be more text based, mm-hmm. but you know, what is the meat of the the content we're gonna be making? How can we decide what that's gonna be? I'm sorry to tell you, but it's, you have to do all of it. Um, you, you do, <laughs> and, and it's like I said earlier, everyone consumes content differently. I said, like I mostly read my social media posts, but at night, like last night, we went upstate, my husband, and I went upstairs, he was reading his book and I went into the Facebook reels rabbit hole. And, you know, so I was watching video with the sound on. So, I mean, like you have to be creating a variety of content. Everyone consumes it differently. So for example, if Instagram is your platform, 
let's say um like so for me instagram is is my platform on mondays i typically do a reel and it's a reel maybe saying you know like three tools that help me save five hours a week and i point at the screen with you know loomly Show, and flick or whatever and then on day two on tuesday i'll do a carousel post saying uh the one tool that saves me that saves my company over 40 hours a month it does this and it's a carousel post taking people about all the cool different features that loomly can do for for your business so now i've taken i've made somebody aware that they have a problem uh you know they want more time here's some tools that can help well now if i brought any of those people in now i can educate them well this is how this one tool can really help you and then on the third post like maybe on wednesday or thursday i'll do a picture on instagram of me and my daughter and say the way to loomly allowed me to take my first laptop free vacation and in it will be a long story about how as a small business owner first starting you know you don't really you can work from anywhere but that's the problem you can work from anywhere and it wasn't until i found this incredible tool that i was able you know whatever i'll share the story i'm building my community my audience can see themselves and their problems in me and my story and then the last post it's kind of the wild card you can choose whatever um you can do another video if that's your jam you can do another carousel another single image a graphic you name it you can go live but this is where you ask people to take action and actually leave social media to go one step further with you I mean, if I, let's say I have a podcast episode all about how Loomly is an incredible social media scheduler. Listen to the po- whole podcast. I talked about it all week. Don't you want to know like even more details on it? So this is where I ask people to leave social media to go one step further with me. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I love podcasting, but I never have gone to Instagram to listen to a podcast gone to Instagram to kill some time. And so if you're always asking people to leave the platform, they're not going to do anything. It's just going to become white noise. But if you take them through this customer journey, showing up a variety of ways throughout the week, talking about this issue, they're going to be way more open to leaving social media to go one step further with you when you ask them to. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people want to have that first post that gets you to go click the link and buy the thing. But it's like no one buys like that, you know, because anything we're selling online is probably not an immediate need. It's something that we need to kind of slowly but surely kind of guide them down the path. And be like, hey, this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is what's working for me or this is what's working for my clients. Is this for you? And initially they might go, no. And then go, OK, well, you know, I'm still going to keep giving you this, you know, free, valuable information. Yeah. But if you want to actually get to that next level, maybe you should go have a look at this thing and this thing and this thing. And a lot of marketers that I've had on the podcast have always preached about the strengths of email. You know, once you've got the email, that is the holy grail Mm -hmm. because you have almost direct algorithm free interaction with that person. I wonder if you hold that same kind of view. I, I do. I, I think that with social media, it, it's rent, you're building an audience on rented land. Uh, I mean, I had, I had 113,000 followers on Clubhouse. And we all know what, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can get you laugh. And I mean, it's, it, it's, it stinks. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think that you, you have to be 
willing to funnel them into a place where you you own that audience and you can get in front of them regularly week after week or day after day if you're a daily emailer Mm. and how do you kind of nurture your community is it through newsletters live videos what is the way that you keep your your people active and engaging with you well i have my podcast so i produce two episodes of my podcast a week I go live on uh, in my Facebook group once a week, and then I send out an email to my email list once a week. Uh, I, I try and check all the boxes of nurturing my audience, uh, no matter how they want to consume content, whether it's, you know, by listening to me or watching me or reading me, you know, it's try and check all the boxes. Mm-hmm. And talk to me about your podcast. So you've got your podcast, which is the Rocky Mountain Marketing Podcast. Yeah. And is that mainly focused around marketing or is it kind of just entrepreneurship in general that, that's kind of going on over there? It, you know, it's definitely, that's one of the nice things about having a podcast, right? Is is that you can kind of choose the format. And when I first started it, it was a lot of entrepreneurship advice and what marketing works for Denver-based business owners. Uh, season two, I started opening it up and bringing in more digital marketing experts to pair into with uh, the Denver-based business owners. And then season three uh, has been one a, a, a huge shift of just having digital marketing conversations. And then I, for uh, a guest interview, and then one episode every week is me talking about the latest social media trend or a social media tactic or social media strategy that, uh, that we use. So it's definitely evolved. And that like I said, it's one of the nice things about having being the host of the show is that you can kind of choose how you want things to be. And uh, it about, I think, almost 250-ish episodes with this. And, uh, it, you know, Sam, it's, it, it's hard to sometimes continue keep going and finding the guests and everything. But it's one of the only things where I've n- never missed a week since I launched it. Like, I've been... Like I said, March, I couldn't bring myself to create a social media post, but I still was able to produce my podcast. Yeah. I mean, 200 episodes. Congratulations. <laughs> you know, I just I just passed the 100 mark a couple of weeks ago. And honestly, there was times along that first 100. I was like, oh, you know, I think I've seen enough. I, I know what's going on here. And then I was like, oh, actually, you know, as I work full time in podcasting, it would be a bit silly yeah. of me not to have a podcast to try things out to, yeah. you know, improve workflows for my clients. And it would be silly of me not to consume podcasts and this and that, yeah. you know, it's, it's very strange to me how some people don't kind of, as they say, eat their own dog food. And they're not really aware of the trends. Everything they get is based off a post on social media or this or that. It's like that that hands-on experience is infinitely more valuable. And so I wonder for you, as someone who's like hands-on with the social media as well as doing it for clients, what are some of the emerging trends you're seeing? What is, you know, what are things to watch out for? And what are things that are going to help us do better at social media in the future? Well, I mean, it wouldn't be 2023 if I didn't say something with AI, but AI is is here to stay. Um, I think that, you know, I, I use AI all the time. And it's, it's if, the, if you keep trying to not use it and kind of push it off, you're going to get left behind. So learn these tools, start using these tools. But more than ever with, with social media, that's, that's how it all started, right? Was giving us the power to connect with people from all over the world. You know, like that, that it was, it was the, these platforms were built for connection. And if we're having robots talk to robots and engage with other robots, it's not going to be any fun. And it's going to completely eliminate the, the purpose that these 
podcast, these, these social media platforms had. So still keep the human side of your, of you in your social media. Yes, use AI to help you write the post or whatever, but, you know, try and show up on doing, that's the whole reason why I started doing live video. It's because in a world of computers and robots, you know, how can I bring the human side of me to my audience? Mm. And I'm wondering, how are you using AI in your workflow? For me personally, I've been using it a lot to write client show mm -hmm. notes. And obviously, you know, it's not like I'm saying, write these show notes based on this topic area for this thing. It's like, no, I, I transcribe the whole conversation. I go, based on this thing yeah. and all these kind of summative, summative points, make a hundred word paragraph that's copyword, you know, copywriting friendly and all that kind of stuff. But then I still have to go in and touch it mm -hmm. up, right? It's not perfect. But I'm wondering for you how you're using AI I, in your I use workflows. it for a lot of brainstorming. Uh, you know, talking to, I talked to, I talked to the robot and say, hey, what do you think about this idea? You know, act as, you know, this, what would your questions be for me as an expert lawyer or as da, 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 what would your question, what would be helpful for you to know? And it helps me then, okay, well, this is the route that I should go down, you know? So I talk to the, to the AI a lot for, for brainstorming. Um, I have it proofread a lot and say, hey, what do you think on how this is written, you know, please read it and make sure it's SEO optimized, or please look at this. And would you want to hire me to speak at your event based on this proposal? What would you change? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that that's the perfect way to use AI is to kind of to fill in the blanks or to kind of copy check everything. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to have human error in there, which is a good thing in some cases. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've spoke to a few marketers and they're like, oh, we purposely make a typo. <laughs> On a, on a normal word in one of our captions just to get people go, oh, you spelt that wrong or, you know, what's going on here? And, you know, it, it drives engagement. I'm like, that's, that's kind of, you know, black hat marketing, but I guess it works. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, it, I guess it allows you to show that there's still a little bit of the, the human side and things. So, yeah. So you've had clients that have been with you for about seven years, mm -hmm. you know, since the beginning of the business all up until now. And so I'm wondering, you know, if you could give me a, a vision of a client success story because i've seen a lot of social media marketers or I spoke to a lot of people that have gone oh we hired a social media person and yeah they made all the content it looked amazing but no traction no likes no clients no this no that but you seem like a successful person who's been able to get a desired outcome for their clients and you know they wouldn't stick with you for years and years and years yeah. if there wasn't something going on there so i wonder if you could share a success story with me yeah i think that you know with social media you know it's if you're if organic social media, especially, it's awareness. Are you making people aware that you exist? There's a lot of businesses out there. How can you make sure that you're making your your business relevant? And one of my clients, uh, her name's Kim. When we started working together, it was January. Well, it was January of 2020, which was before the world shut down. She had about. 1300 Instagram followers. It was just her at her business. And 2020 was going to be her year. She's a home organizer. She wanted to grow her team, scale her business. Well, then the world shut down. You can't really go into other people's houses and organize their houses for them. And everyone suddenly was given the gift of time and everyone wanted to organize their own house. So how could she not just, you know, grow, but stay in business? Well, uh, at, as of 
March of 2022, so about a year and a half ago, she had 37,000 Instagram followers and she grew her team to an eight-person team without a single ad spend, without doing any commercials, anything like that. And it was all how we positioned her and her business during the pandemic so that she could continue scaling. And all we used was social media. All we used was just Instagram. We didn't even use TikTok or or Facebook or LinkedIn. We only used organic Instagram marketing and she was able to grow and scale her business to, you know, not not just the followers, but the biggest thing was growing her team. Now she's just overseeing and bringing people in whereas we're not having to, you know, she's not having to go and do all the work herself anymore. Yeah. And and that's one of the key things, I guess, is Mm -hmm. to get that outcome for your clients. And a lot of people want to use social media for growth. And if you're able to get that growth for them, then it's fantastic. You know, and, you know, it sounds like you're really proud of of the work that you do for your clients. And so I'm wondering for you, what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? Honestly, I I love what I do. I love working in social media and uh, eliminating the overwhelm for people, knowing that we're able to, you know, give them peace of mind and help grow their awareness and their reach. But more than anything, I love just being a business owner uh, and building out the business that I want to be, I want to go to every day. I want to be a part of, and when I'm tired of it, when I'm kind of checked out, I can go and hang out with my kids. I can go pick up my kids from school. I can volunteer to be a chaperone on their field trip because I've built the business that I want to want to have and I want to be a part of. Where can the people find you online? KatieBrinkley.com. That's the best place to find me, listen to the podcast and get all my freebies. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend. 